Greetings, everyone. This is Julio again, your host for my God in You podcast, YouTube channel. And this episode is specifically going to be another installment for my all new Teach the Teacher meditation course. In this episode, we're going to begin module three, lesson one. And we're going to begin to go through what I refer to as the educational experiences with God that eventually you're going to have once you teach and train your mind to have these educational conversations with God. So along those lines, in this episode, I got a lot of knowledge I want to share with you concerning your four inherent voices or thought processes, six types of consciousness that they have the potential to produce, the seven branches of knowledge experienced through the Our Father prayer experience, and then lastly, experiencing the Word of God, which is the book that God has authored for your life that is not the Bible, as the oracle, curriculum, and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So again, I've got so much content I want to share with you in this episode, so let's get to work. So to begin the journey to truly understand the characteristics of a voice or a thought process, let's begin by getting an understanding of what a voice is. Now, characteristics that produce a voice versus thoughts are this. Physically, we have a unique voice because so many factors work together to produce that voice. Your voice starts in your lungs where the air is exhaled to create an airstream in the trachea and then across the larynx and then which is often called the voice box. Stretched horizontally across your larynx are these things called vocal cords. Now everything that I just read there you just experienced. In other words, you're hearing my voice through this process that I just described to you. But mentally, instead of lungs, airstream, a trachea, a larynx, and vocal cords, the determining factor to determine the origin of a voice, or better said, a thought process within our minds, is determined by discernment and study of the content or the subject matter of the information or knowledge that is communicating. So truth be told, when trying to hear or learn how to hear the voice of God, Many people believe that they should be hearing some type of deep, distinct voice similar to the sound that Charlton Heston, who played Moses in the epic movie, The Ten Commandments, heard from the burning bush. Many of you have heard of Moses, Moses, you know, and then it was this deep voice. And a lot of times we, we get that imagery and think that that's how God speaks. And, you know, this is a nugget. Truth be told, when you truly learn how to hear the voice of God, what you're going to discover is that God sounds just like you because he is you. And how you discern the difference between anything that is false or anything that will keep you off track from hearing the voice of God, again, is through discernment and study of the thought process to determine its origin and the content of the information that is being communicated. So with that being said, it would better serve us by recognizing our inner voices as thoughts because that's exactly what they are. By recognizing them as thoughts, we can train our mind to discern and study the content, information, or the knowledge, as I mentioned before, that they are communicating to determine the origin or source of the voice or thought process. Now concerning the voice of God, John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said it this way, 
My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's always important to remember that it was Jesus, all that information, the people that he was communicating that to was coming out of his larynx, out of his lungs. In other words, they were hearing his actual voice, which how you're hearing minds. But remember what was going on inside of his mind where Jesus said, as I hear my father speak, I speak. So truth be told, when Jesus said these words, it was actually God within him that was saying these things. So better said, my sheep hear God's voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, when we look at the word voice in this key verse, it's simply defined as language. But interestingly, when you, def when you transfer it from his Greek to Hebrew, you'll see this very interesting word called call. And it's defined as the voice of a shepherd. And then it's described as the call of the shepherd to the sheep who know him through thoughts. In other words, words. So think about sheep. And this is why I have an encouragement here that I have this little asterisk on this slide is to study sheep to gain a deeper understanding of why Jesus used the word sheep. Trust me, it'll bless you. Sheep have a very distinct inner ability to follow the voice of a shepherd, of their shepherd. And there's a lot of interesting nuances concerning the relationship between sheep and a shepherd. And I, won't, of course, won't go into this here now because I have so much more I want to share with you. But truth be told, on your own time, you need to study sheep to see why Jesus used the word sheep. But to summarize the experience, sheep have an instinct where they know the voice of their shepherd by way of sound, right? Of the way of certain words. But it's processed through what? Thoughts that are experienced within their mind. So again, there's, and I'm not doing any justice here, but I could do a couple of videos just on the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd, how they anoint him with certain oils and, you know, and how they take him to different pastures to feed. I mean, very interesting stuff. So again, on your own time, trust me, that study, if you're interested in that line of study, it will bless you. So with that being said, concerning thoughts, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it reads like this, For I know, of course, this is God speaking, the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Some translations will see an expected end. You'll, you'll read it that way. Well, truth be told, you can't get more towards in experiencing God's thoughts or voice than within your mind. Think about that. Notice how God speaks or teaches, thinking thoughts toward us. And again, where does this happen? Where do thoughts happen? Within these two things that we call temples. Now I have a very interesting quote here at the end of the slide where it reads, When we talk to God, we are praying. When God talks to us, we are schizophrenic. Now the author of that quote is unknown. I've heard it uh, from many different people. But the reason why I had that in there is because there are a lot of believers that don't believe that you can actually hear the voice of God. For them, the Bible is the voice of God. In other words, that's the Word of God. And the sad reality is that there is such a deep indoctrination concerning that belief that 
hearing the voice of God within their minds is simply something that they don't believe that they can achieve. And trust me, I've been in, in groups on Facebook and other forums and all that where I get this type of kickback or this type of resistance from people when I talk about hearing the voice of God and what they believe and what and some of the actually I've actually heard. Uh, had people tell me, you know, you're hearing voices, you know, and, and, and making fun of, of, of the situation. And, and truth be told, they are too. You know what I'm saying? They're hearing voices too, but they just don't recognize them as voices. They recognize them as thoughts. And it's the same thing. So again, and it's interesting because this is coming from believers. So, you know, they have no problem with talking to God, but yet they have no type of mindset of, and evidently no training to actually use their minds for the original purpose that God created it, which is, again, you've heard me say this over and over again, and I'm going to continue to say it over and over again, that the original purpose that God created the human mind, my mind, and your mind, and every human mind is to experience His mind within it as a guiding, encouraging, envisioning, and teaching spirit for every aspect of your life. And it happens through thoughts. So with that being said, let's get into the next slide. Concerning these four inherent voices or thought processes. Now there are four of them that I want to share with you. That I want to enlighten you about. And that is of course your voice, the voice of God, the voice of reasoning, and the voice of flesh. Now when I use the word voice... Again, it would be better to understand them as thought processes. So really, your spirit has a thought process. In other words, you have what we call, or what I refer to as a spirit voice. And we see this when we understand Psalms 82 and 6, where the Bible clearly says, and this is God speaking, I said, you are gods and are all, you are all children of the Most High. Now, this is God calling us gods. Now, of course, smaller g, capital G is God, smaller g is us. In other words, that's our divinity that we have within our minds. And with that divinity comes a voice. So this is the thought process of your godness and, again, of your divinity. When you're having conversations with God within your mind, or even verbally. This is who is speaking with God. It's your spirit. This is what makes God your father and what qualifies, validates, and equips you to have these present-to-present, -present, or in other words, face-to-face -face experiences with God. This is your inner student that you need to develop to be more conscious of and experience in an environment of undistracted silence to become a father impersonator according to his will for your life. And you heard me talk about that numerous times, about how that happens and how, truth be told, we all should have a goal of being a father impersonator according to his will for our life. Most of us have never been taught to experience Proverbs 22, verse 6 type of instruction. In other words, when you train up a child in the way he or she should go, what you're doing for them is you're training them how to develop their inner spirit how to connect with the Spirit of God within their minds. And I have a video again that I keep promoting on my YouTube channel concerning this verse, if you want to check that out. And 
give you an example of how I experienced this initially when I began to really realize that my spirit actually had a voice. You know, for, for a long time, you know, when I was in my traditional religious experience, I had this thought process that would always keep returning to my mind. And the thought process went something like this. There must be more to God and my life than what I'm experiencing. Now, now that I know what I know, that was my spirit trying to communicate with me, giving me that thought, right? But I never positioned myself during those, during that experience in my traditional religious experience to actually be taught how to develop my spirit. If anything, I went through the traditional route because there was no type of offerings concerning how to hear the voice of God. Definitely not how to meditate in order to learn how to retrain your mind in order to experience it. But most of the knowledge that I was experiencing was based off of knowledge that I was getting from an outside voice. And many of you have probably experienced the same. Now, truth be told, a lot of believers are more familiar with a human form of a shepherd than they are with the inner shepherd of God. And that's a sad reality. And again, that happens for different reasons. All the, the root cause of all of that is iniquity. In other words, if you get a shepherd or a pastor that isn't teaching or training you how to go within to experience the mind of God as a teaching spirit, then iniquity, I guarantee you, is part of that minister's process, whether they are aware of it or not. Now, let's go into the voice of God. John chapter 16, verse 13 tells us that the, the, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God is the one who shows and tells us all things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you know, Jesus taught us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And again, where is that kingdom and where is that righteousness found? According to Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it is within you. And remember what the righteousness of God is. It's the right words that come from the mind of God for your life. And then in Matthew chapter 23, verse 10, Jesus taught again, for one is your teacher, Christ. He's talking about the Spirit of God within you. And then we have in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verses 26 through 27. The anointing that teaches you, no need for anyone to teach you. Interesting. Once you experience the main teacher within you, this verse right here will make a whole lot of sense. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, and in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, you've heard me talk about this and teach about this before, but this is God speaking again, saying, I will put my laws into their inward parts, and in their minds I will write them. Now, of course, we know that God doesn't actually write. This is another reference to God speaking to you concerning what he has written, concerning the book on your life, which we'll talk about here in a little while. And then also John chapter 10, verse 27, as we read in the prior slide, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And what is interesting about this verse is God knows everybody. So why would that verse say, and I know them? This is a reference to that yada that you hear me teach about and I write about in my books. This is having being yoked with the mind of God within your mind. When your mind and God's mind are yoked, that's when the knowing happens. That's when, when some people refer to as the knower becomes the teacher for every facet of your life. And then we have this thing called the voice of reasoning that you can read about in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. And you'll find some content related also in Mark chapter 2, verses 6 and 8. 
And one of my favorite ones is, Come now, this is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. Notice that. Reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Well, how does this happen? It actually happens through God's forgiveness and revelations and instructions concerning these sins where God blesses you with thought processes leading you to accepted remedies or solutions for the best or preferable outcome concerning these sins. Another way to view this is what some people refer to as intellect. In other words, this is that part within you that where you experience logic or analysis and actually it's a source of wisdom. This is the ability of your mind to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. And then we also have this voice or thought process that the Bible describes as the voice of evil. This is what a lot of people refer to as the flesh or the carnal mind. In Romans chapter 7 verse 21, this is deep. Paul was inspired to write this. Remember, Paul wrote this after he learned to hear the voice of God for his own life. He said, for evil is present with me. And I've shared knowledge concerning this in prior episodes, and we're going to talk about this in subsequent episodes. But one of the things that I want to bring out here, and I know that many people listening to this may not agree with what I'm about to say, but I want you to hear me out. God is the creator and educator of evil. If you go to Isaiah chapter 5, if you go to Isaiah chapter 45 verse 7, it clearly says, and I create evil. And this is God. Remember, he creates peace and evil. And it says, and I, the Lord, do all these things. And just to give you a little bit of knowledge concerning God's creation of evil, well, remember, if you believe in the story of angel, you know, the fallen angel, and if God knows all things, he would have known that that angel was going to be Lucifer and whatever your belief is concerning that, that ended up being the serpent at the base of the tree. And so, in other words, if he knew all of that information, he would have known that that all was going to be taking place before it actually took place. He would have known the decision that Adam and Eve made at the tree of knowledge of good and evil because he's all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end, right? But yet God creates this being that supposedly is this evil source of evil, and I have a different perspective concerning that, as many of you know, um, and of course, I'm going to share some more of that in future episodes. And, as, and along those lines of thinking, it's vitally important to remember that God created a tree called the knowledge of what? Good and evil. So there goes another creation of God. And it's deeper than this. But what is important about this is that whatever God creates, He must educate. Let me repeat that. Whatever God creates, He must educate educate. In other words, if God created evil, then we need to rethink what evil is. And the best way to rethink that and to truly understand the totality of what it really is, remember God created, then God should be educating us on it because God created it. And we're going to talk about more of that again in some subsequent episodes. So along those lines, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, we see this educational thing happening. It's also found in Luke chapter 11, verse 4. 
but deliver us from evil. Well, the deliverance comes through education. In other words, God educating you concerning this evil. So to better understand this, it would be more constructive to have a different perspective concerning the word evil based on its actual definition, inherent potential, and ultimate purpose. And of course, I shared some knowledge with you in a prior episode in this course regarding that. And I also have another video concerning Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7 on my YouTube channel. So if you want to know more about that, and of course, you're always welcome to go ahead and check that out. Now, concerning our four inherent voices, which are thought types or processes, they are all experienced through either what I refer to as self-talk. So if you're not communicating with God somehow, in some way, you're going to experience this at some point or some points in your life. Or better, they are experienced through spirit to spirit. In other words, God, big G, to small g, God, us, talk when experiencing conversations and education with God. And you, this will make more sense uh, beginning in the next episode where we're going to be breaking down some of the things concerning evil and, and what the Bible has to say about trespasses and deliverance and all of the other things that the whole Our Father prayer in specific detail gives us access to concerning some of the branches of knowledge that we should be experiencing through this Our Father prayer experience. So again, just to quickly repeat, your voice is your spirit voice. It's kind of like if you ever had that little uh, inclination or that thought process that you know it wasn't really you in terms of, you know, it was in you, but, you know, it was a of a divine origin. That is your voice saying something to you or revealing something to you. And of course, the voice of God is your inner encourager, God and teacher. And then the voice of reasoning is your inner ability to analyze circumstances either on your own or with God. We all have that. The way they describe it in the ancient Hebrew perspective is they call it, they, they, they refer to it as balancing, the, like the scales. You know, uh, that's how they teach this here. But the voice of reasoning is like that. You know, when, when, when you're trying to figure something out, you know, these are the pros and these are the cons, you know. So that it would, that's another uh, a way to describe it. But when it comes to the voice of reasoning happening in conversations with God, remember, this is God speaking. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And what is the reasoning about sins, as we read in the prior slides? We're going to go more, of the, more into that in the next episode. And then, of course, the voice of Eve, the flesh or the carnal mind. This is actually what the majority of us experience in our day-to-day -day living without being educated by God. But it's also one of the most important branches of knowledge that you'll experience with God. And in Galatians and Romans, there's some verses that speak about this process. For example, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 25, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, how does one walk in the Spirit? It's impossible to do really in its, in its most effective and intimate way, according to the will of God, unless you are a student of God. In other words, God is schooling you. And how is it that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Or once again, that voice thought process of evil is, again, having God educate you concerning it. You know, one of the uh, uh, places of uh, lust of the flesh that we see not only in Christianity, but in a lot of different religions is this whole thing about gluttony. 
A lot of people don't talk about that, but that's a lust. Gluttony is when you overeat or you eat for other purposes beyond nourishment, or in other words, for nutritional experiences. If we would just change our mind about how and what we eat, trust me, it would better serve us. And that's for a different topic. But um, what I'm trying to say is most of us experience the lust of the flesh in our diets. You know, whether you want to believe it or not. Some, some food for thought there with some pun intended. <laughs> and then in verse 25, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Now, again, we all live in the spirit. If you're living, that means you are living because you have a spirit within you. Remember, we talked about the breath and spirit in prior episodes. So it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Well, how does one walk in the spirit? Well, very plain and simple. By positioning your spirit to be a student of God so that he can teach you how to walk. In other words, how to live according to his will. Remember what we learned in the prior lesson, that portion of the Our Father template when Jesus taught and give us this day our daily bread. When we broke down the word bread, when we look at it from its Greek perspective, that word dagon, and what, how it was defined or described as what causes the back and forth movement or moving of the foot which describes what you do when you're walking. In other words, you hear and learn from God, and then you actually walk that out. We also see some of this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 4, where it says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And this is powerful to me. You know, I used to be feel condemnation for all these different things of my life because religion taught me that I need to be condemned or feel condemnation regarding them. But when I learned to walk in the spirit, when I learned to hear the voice of God, their condemnation was no more because God was schooling me on what was sin and what was not sin from life, what was evil, what was not evil, and all these different things that really made, not only made more sense, but it helped me to not walk in this condemnation or sin conscious type of mindset but instead bless me with being able to have a more accurate and effective God mindset. And then in four, it tells us why, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of God. And remember what the righteousness of the law is. It's just another expression of hearing the right words in your mind that comes from the lawgiver. Remember, we talked about that before. You know, a lot of these interesting uh, phrases that we have concerning righteousness, a lot of people, again, put it in the context of what another preacher or teacher tells you is right or wrong for your life, or they misinterpret certain portions of the scripture and then classify that as righteousness. But remember, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And where did he say that happens? within your mind. Luke chapter 17, verse 21. For the kingdom of God is within you. So when you're getting that schooling, that knowledge, when you're discerning and learning to hear the voice of God, that's righteousness for every area of your life. Now on this next slide, I, wanna, I don't want to teach anything, but I just want to share with you. You can take a screenshot of this, uh, look these up on your own time. Uh, but there, the Bible talks about six types of consciousness and the way it's spelled in certain translations is conscience, but it's the same thing. It talks about having a weak conscience, which you will find in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. That's a mind that is not educated by God. 
And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about a person or people experiencing a seared conscience, again, resulting in a person that is not being educated by God. And then in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, it talks about experiencing a defiled conscience. And again, this is a person that is not educated by God. And then we have this evil conscience. We never want to be evil conscience. We want to be evil taught. Remember that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, again, this is something a, a, a result of not being educated by God. But then we have these two other consciences that are actually good ones. And the first one is actually is referred to as a good conscience that you'll find in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 17. And what is interesting about the good conscience here is referring to, is actually teaching about warning against false teachers. In other words, when you are experiencing a God conscience, which is a good conscience, you'll see you'll be able to see some certain teachers in a different light. And then in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, and 1 Peter 3, 16, one of the purposes or functions of having a good conscience is to be void of offense towards God and men. Powerful stuff. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that again in the subsequent episode. But again, a good conscience is one that is educated by God. And of course, a godly conscience. There, there's no need to explain that a godly conscience is one that is being taught by God for every facet of their life. And the, and the reality is we all have access to God within our minds. The question is, are we conscious of Him at all times? And this is why, you know, we read these different verses, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, they follow me. And then we also see things written like in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, the law written in their hearts and their conscience also bearing witness. And that, that verse alone, if I, you break that down, I mean, it's deep. And I, of course, in this episode, we can't do that. But I just want to once again remind you that this is part of that whole godly conscious experience. And then one of my favorite ones and found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it reads, Let this mind be in you that was also... In Christ Jesus. And what mind is that? In that context of verses that he, when, uh, in the book of Philippians, when that is being uh, uh, written about and taught, it's actually talking about love. And we all have that love. Remember, God is love. So what mind does that come from? Well, of course, it comes from the mind of God. But the problem is that we don't let it happen because we are not taught, again, as you've heard me say over and over again, to really use or to train our minds according to the original purpose that God created it, which is to experience His mind within it for every facet of our lives, including how to have this love walk towards ourselves, Him, and humanity. Now, from that knowledge, I want to quickly jump into uh, what I refer to as seven branches of knowledge that we're going to break down somewhat in subsequent episodes, but I'm going to make you aware of them before we get into them in these next episodes. If you to take the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Prayer that is found only in two places in the Scriptures, and you'll find that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, and you'll also find it in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Just comparing the both of them on the screen, you can see that there's a difference not just in how many words, but also in content. So what we're going to do is actually look at both of those templates, and then we're going to combine them to see the differences and to see how they really connect. It's going to be interesting, trust me. So when you examine both of these in Matthew and Luke, you're going to discover that you're going to uh, find what I refer to, again, as branches of knowledge. 
Now concerning these seven branches, the most important one, and, it's, and of course there's a reason why it comes first before the other ones, is this branch of knowledge called your will be done. This is God's desires for your life. This is everything. This is every topic of discussion, including His purposes and the book or the script He authored on your life, and even your death. A lot of people don't want to understand or know about their death, but one of the, the, the experiences that I've had with God that to me is very important is that God is teaching me to die right. Uh, and, and in different ways. You know, one of the things that God, uh, that I'll never forget, that God simply told me and taught me that I always must be prepared to die. And that death is actually one of the most beautiful parts of life when you do it right. And I won't go into detail here, but my point is that when, uh, think about Jesus. Let's go here. Remember, Jesus knew about his death. Think about that. If you look at some of the disciples and other people found in Scripture, God pre-informed them about their death, right? In other words, this all happened through conversations with God. And where did it happen? Within their minds. So I don't really want to scare anybody, but truth be told, it's one of the most beautiful things that God can teach you because He's preparing you how to uh, depart this earth in the right way and how to leave a legacy and how to you know take care of your family and and how to do all these things so that when you leave this earth that of course people are going to mourn for you but you leave them in a way that you'll never be forgotten you'll be blessing them the way you leave this earth and more on that perhaps on a different topic if i get uh, enough comments about that or people want to know about that experience we can definitely uh, do some knowledge teaching about that as well and how God, uh, this is again, it's one of the most important branches of knowledge that you'll experience under that topic of your will be done. And then there's also six other dysfunctions, which I refer to, that are also branches of knowledge that will keep you from experiencing God's will in the most effective and prosperous way possible. And they are described as debts, sins, trespasses, temptation, evil, and forgiveness. So let me repeat those six. Depths, sins, trespasses, temptation, evil, and forgiveness. In the subsequent episodes, we're going to break these down so that you can see the differences and how some of them are related with one another. But just looking at the slides here, when you compare both of the Matthew and the Luke portion of prayer, for example, and this is what we're going to go into actually in next week. If you look at verse 12 in Matthew's account, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. But when you go to the Lord's Prayer in, in the Luke version, notice what it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So there's a play of difference of words here concerning debts and sins. And again, starting next week, you'll be able to see the difference. But I want to make sure that you understand them in the, in the most clear way possible because some people just categorize some of these and put them all in lump sum as one expression or one thing but really truth be told they all there's a reason why they're all worded different some of them are connected yes but there's specific things about them that we must know in order to really understand some of these conversations that we're going to have with God concerning these things that will cause us to dysfunction so that we will not fulfill the totality of God's will for our life. Or in other words, to prosper in every area of our lives, just like God designed for it to be experienced. 
And then lastly, concerning the key of knowledge teachings that I want to share with you in this episode, I want to revisit this thing that I, I shared with you before that I said I would revisit concerning the first principles of the oracles of God as part of uh, the conversation piece or conversation content that you'll have with God. Now, you've heard me read about this before in prior episodes, but in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to, uh, someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. Remember I said before, m many of us had not even experienced that yet. And yet you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now to quickly summarize a very important part of this verse, I want to bring your attention to that phrase where it says the word of righteousness. Remember in, in the other slide I was talking about the righteousness of the law. Remember that? Here again, we have another expression just described in different way about what righteousness is. And it's described here as the word of righteousness. Remember that the righteousness of God in its most effective and pure and unadulterated way is experienced within your mind when you're experiencing the right words from God. And this is why this person here or these people that this verse is referring to are classified as babes. In other words, infants, immature is another expression that you'll find in certain translations. And the reason, because the he in this verse is referring not to a male, it's referring to your spirit. And so, in other words, when all you're doing is getting teachings from human beings about the Bible and about the denominational beliefs and all that, that's milk. And some of that, truth be told, is spoiled milk. You know, I apologize for the pun here, but it's true. There is so much that I can say about that that my, 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 my mind is full of thoughts concerning that, but I, I won't share that with you here. But the point that I want to get across in, this, uh, in reading these verses is that a person who is on solid food or solid meat, as we talked about in the prior episode when we broke down this verse, is a person who is being educated by God. So the question that we have to ask ourselves for those of us that are believers is, are we on a milk diet? or on a meat diet. Milk is teachings that come from another human being, and it's kind of, you know, you have to break it down and all this other stuff. In other words, it's infant formula, for lack of a better expression. But meat can only come from within your mind. Remember the verse that I shared with you in the prior episode concerning this verse, when Jesus said what? My meat is to do the what? Will of the Father. And where did he get that will from? In his mind, right? And what, how did that will come through? The word of righteousness. In other words, the right words that he experienced within the kingdom of God within his mind. Now, to add a little bit more depth to this, when we look at that word oracles and really take a deep dive as to what it actually is conveying in this verse, if you do a deep word study, you'll see that the word oracles there is de described and defined in three different ways when it comes to God Himself. Now the first one is Logian, and is defined as the utterance or the speaking of God. So when you're hearing the voice of God within your mind, you're experiencing Logian according to the Greek version of this word. Now from that word, we get the word Logios, which actually describes God as an orator. In other words, one who speaks, right? 
a lecturer, interesting, and also a narrator. And what is he lecturing or narrating or orating about? Well, we discover what that is when we find out what one the words that comes from the word oracles, which is this famous word logos, which is defined or described as something that is documented. Now, what is this that is documented? Well, evidently, it's the book that God has authored for your life. The Bible describes it in different ways, but it describes it as a book. And remember, Jesus had one too. I'm going to remind you of that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. And I came in the volume of the book written about me to do the will of God. Remember that. We all have one. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18 speaks about the book, and we're going to delve into some of that in a future episode as well. But the reality is that when you're experiencing the oracles of God as a speaker or a narrator of something that he has documented within his mind that he's already pre-seen for your life. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we see this logos being mentioned again. For the word, logos of God, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Well, let's break some of this down. We already described what logos is, but what does quick mean? Quick is not a, a thing about speed. You know, when we read the English version, we think quick is boom, you know, like fast. That's not what it says. That's why it's important to understand root words from their definitive perspectives. But the word quick there is defined from its Greek perspective as zao. And it's also it's described as something that is living and what gives life. Now, when you translate that word from its Greek to Hebrew, we find out that it's the word kawaya here. And it's described as what rescues, saves, revives, recovers, nourishes, repairs, provides sustenance, and provides promised life. So, and this is all that the Spirit of God does. That's what He's always doing. He's always rescuing us. He's always recovering us. He's always nourishing us. He's always repairing us. He's always providing us nourishment in the form of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And the promised life that He has promised us based off of the book that He has authored on our lives. Now, why this is important is because this word or logos is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Look at this. That word discerner in this verse is simply defined from its Greek perspective as the word kritikos. This is where we get the word critic from. It's also described as a judge. Now, when you translate that word from its Greek to Hebrew, it comes out to this word chatare. And it's actually described as a writer or a scribe, also described as an advocating judge who restores life. And then it's also described, I love this, for you kingdom people, you're going to love this. What is required to experience dominion on the earth? So in other words, we have our own will, of course, and then we have God's will. So when God is the critic of the thoughts and intents of your heart, he's always going to compare it to what? To his logos for your life. That's the, probably the simplest way that I can explain it. And for those of you who have read my book concerning um, the logos and all that, you actually have a, you're, you're, you're a little bit further ahead concerning what I'm describing to you here. So the Bible is an expression or a form of a logos, 
but uh, I no longer classify it as what most people classify as the Word of God. The Word of God, exactly that is in my mind. This is inspired by God, absolutely. But truth be told, and let's be honest here, you know what I'm saying, especially those of us that have been to Bible colleges and some really deep training. We know that this book has been modified and translated in all these different languages and all these other things that are going on. And, and you know, some books were taken out and some were added and all this other stuff, you know, that, you know, this book has history has gone through. But the reality is, is there's enough in this book, the way it is right now, to be used as a key of knowledge resource to teach and train people how to hear the voice of God. All you have to do is do some definitive root word study and then begin to filter a lot of these verses from this thought. What is this verse teaching me about how to go within my mind? Instead of just reading the Bible as a storybook. And I'll leave that there. Now, from the ancient Hebrew perspective, the ultimate form of logos is known as the Sefer Sifra. Sifra is defined as the act of writing. Sefer is the book or the document that is produced from that writing. And we see content related to this, again, repeating those two verses that I mentioned before. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says who? The Lord. I will put my laws where? In their inward parts and in their minds I will write them. Remember, it's just another description of how God does it. You know, God is actually an author. You know, one of the uh, uh, verses that you'll find about, he's the author and finisher of our faith. That's a deep verse. And one day I'm going to share some really intimate knowledge concerning that verse because this plays into understanding that God is a storyteller. What he tells is history. In other words, his story for your life. Trust me, it'll bless you if you keep studying that line of knowledge. When it comes to your experiencing God within your mind through conversational thoughts. Now we see also James chapter 1 verse 27 talking about the same word or logos experience. Where it describes the logos as what? As the engrafted word that is able to what? Save your soul. Remember what, you know what engrafted is, right? That's within you. In other words, it's already there. You know, if you know anything about engrafting, it's, it's taken uh, in the uh, botanical area and horticultural, uh, I think it's, that's the name of it, but the plant people, what they do is people who study plants and, and raise plants, they'll take one plant and then they'll engraft a branch or a stream of the root into it and then those two become one. And that's exactly what happens when you experience the mind of God within your mind. In other words, you begin to experience his word that is already engrafted in your mind and it's already written there. You just need God to read it to you. This is, again, why God is classified or referred to in the oracles as a narrator of something that is already documented. So God has authored a book or story or a will or logos for your life that can only be experienced by God revealing it to you within your mind through his thoughts concerning it that contains his faith and righteousness concerning specific works for every human life. And of course, I've shared knowledge with you concerning all of this, concerning uh, different content related to these works in the book, and you'll see the verses uh, being conveyed there in the slide. And for those of you who want more knowledge concerning uh, the Logos book on your life that I, that I wrote about, if you don't have my book, uh, this is a free offer. Just email me at the, uh, my email, which is julio at julioalvaradojr.com, or you can go to my website and just put the contact information. It'll automatically take to my email. And just ask me for a PDF copy of Chapter 8 titled The Logos Book 
for your life. And this is actually from my second book called The Mystery of Prayer Revealed. And I'll email that to you so you can get a better understanding of what this book that God has authored on our life is all about. So I hope that what I shared in this episode just expands your knowledge or your awareness of some of the things that you should be aware of and things that you're eventually going to experience as you learn to hear the voice of God. You may not experience how I'm describing them, but you're going to experience them, trust me. Because again, this is how God talks. This is what God teaches concerning His will and everything else that I share with you in this episode concerning those six dysfunctions and everything else that will keep you from experiencing that will. And again, you'll, you'll get more uh, enlightenment concerning this as we go into the subsequent episodes. So to end this episode, I want to, again, just remind you that this course is called Teach the Teacher. Learn from others, but only allow one to teach you, and that's you. You know, this is knowledge that I'm giving you that I'm hopefully ex- that is expanding your Bible-based knowledge that hopefully you can ex- uh, translate into experiential knowledge in order to teach and train your mind how to hear the voice of God. So continue to make any necessary adjustments to your space, your room, your closet, whatever it is that you position yourself to train your mind to hear the voice of God, whether it's in a closet like I do it or on a chair or wherever your closet is. And then remember, don't be uh, concerned or afraid of using techniques. Uh, many of these are biblical that I've shared before. Uh, for example, breath and sayings. Um, if you need techniques to calm your mind. And again, I always, I'm always available to you. So if you're struggling in any of this that I'm sharing with you, by all means, feel free to reach out to me either by commenting on the video or the podcast or uh, it's actually better to email me through my contact information on my website, which is at Julio at Julio Junior.com. Again, that's Julio at Julio Junior.com. So another resource that I want to offer and bless you with is another free offer where out of that same book, The Mystery of Prayer Revealed, I would like to, if you're interested, share with you chapters one and two. Uh, chapter one, I titled The Border Crossing, where I describe how you, when you're crossing over into your mind to experience the mind of God, it's like crossing over a border into another country, which is what the kingdom of God is, for lack of a better expression. And remember, when you're going to another country, what? Different laws, different custom, and even different language. Remember what the language of God is? Truth. So I, I give you all of that, and I describe to you how that works by using the analogy of crossing over the border into another country to kind of set your mind up to uh, see it as that because that's exactly what it is. You're going from your mind into God's mind. So that's like crossing over into a border again. And then chapter two, I give you uh, what I refer to as pre-prayer instructions, which are the four pre-prayer instructions that Jesus gave in the account in Matthew chapter six in order to set yourself up to experience God as an educator within you. And remember one of the most important was is to go into your closet. And it wasn't just a physical closet that he was teaching about, but he's referring to mainly the closet within your mind where secrets are revealed to you as the father was in secret. And I share all that knowledge with you before, but nonetheless. So if you're interested in getting uh, that a free PDF from me, just again, email me at Julio at JuniorCom. And as always, as I mentioned before, use your newfound understanding and application of the written word to teach you how to experience the spoken word. And lastly, I want to leave you with this thought. That the Our Father prayer lesson that Jesus taught is not a prayer that we quote. Instead, it's a template that guides us to experience lessons and conversations in prayer and throughout our day 
within our minds. So truth be told, to summarize what the Our Father template is all about, it's actually just a template or a teaching that you can use to teach and train your mind so that it functions according to the original purpose that God created it. And some of you can probably repeat this with me. And what is that purpose? To experience the mind of God within it as a teaching spirit. And lastly, I want to advertise my services and ministry to you. I get many requests to teach. So if you're interested in learning more about me and what I teach, if you're a church leader or a Bible study or a home group, and you're interested in discussing the possibility of me teaching your group either online or in person, contact me at that same email address and we can talk. And then there, what I'll do is I'll, I'll share with you my vision, my mission, and my proposals, depending on the learning environment and the logistics to see if that's something that will fit your needs. And then of course, for those of you that are interested in creating a prayer or meditation seminar that focuses on teaching prayer as an educational event, by all means, get a hold of me and we can definitely discuss the possibility of doing that. And remember, my mission is quite simple, to be honest with you, and that is to teach people how to experience the original purpose that God created the human mind. And then along those lines, I, I have a deep passion and a burden, for lack of a better expression, concerning spiritual influencers. You, you know the saying that I kind of have coined that you hear me mention once in a while, and that is those that teach about God should first be taught by God. And when you really examine that verse and you examine spiritual teachers and you examine the content of what they're teaching, again, I'll say this again, if they're not, having, not teaching content of any form uh, related to how to go within your mind in order to experience the mind of God as a teaching spirit, then I, oh, I, it bothers me to say this, but I must say it, then I doubt that they're hearing the voice of God concerning that ministry because if they were, doesn't it make sense that they would teach and train the people to experience what they themselves are experiencing every day for their lives? And I find that to be a sad reality because, uh, and this is some of the stuff that we discussed before, and many teachers today don't know what the key of knowledge is. They don't understand the kingdom of God within as an inner learning environment. So because of that, they're not going to teach you, of course, to experience it. And the reality is, is that possibly they're not experiencing for themselves. Remember, they're praying. They're doing all these good things. They're talking to God. But are they truly hearing from God? You know, because, again, if they were, then I would venture to say that God would say, hey, teach these people to experience what you yourself are experiencing. That was Jesus's issue with the religious leaders of the synagogues that he walked in. When he said, you've taken away the key of knowledge, you don't enter in, nor you are, or, or, and you hinder those that are trying to enter in. And what was he talking about in terms of entering in? Well, again, the kingdom of God within our minds, which he also referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And then the very last thing that I want to share with you is just a, a request on my behalf. And that is if you like what I share, if what I share is a blessing to you, do me a favor and give it a like. If you're interested in more content, you're welcome to subscribe to my channel. Make sure you put that notification button on. And then also share it forward with those that you believe will also be blessed by the type of content that I share with you. Uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to be a bit of marketer of what I'm sharing. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I don't do the best job of it, to be honest with you, you know, but the reality is I'm being encouraged to do so. So I'm going to do my, uh, do better, uh, to do this. Um, and, and really I'm not looking for followers. I'm not, that's not my heart. 
I just, I'm looking for people who want to change their lives. They're looking for deeper perspectives concerning the scriptures, concerning experiencing the mind of God within our minds, concerning hearing what Jesus himself experienced and learning about it in terms of experiencing and learning about it in their own lives. Remember, morning by morning, what did Jesus do? He would, the Lord would awaken him. He would awaken his ear to do what? To hear as to learn. And this is what this course is all about. We want to duplicate Jesus' same prayer experience. Jesus, truth be told, was a master meditator. A lot of people don't agree with that statement, but learning requires meditation. In other words, if you want to hear somebody within your mind, well, and this somebody, of course, referring to God, then you must still or calm your mind. This is where this famous verse comes into play. And I believe it's Psalms 46 and 10. Be still and know, there goes that word know again, by the way, that I am God. That happens in a posture of inner stillness. And of course, it's better if you're in a physical posture of stillness as well. So until the next episode, in that episode, I'm going to be sharing with you some content related to conversations with God using your four inherent voices. And then this thing that the ancient Jews referred to as the art of asking questions in order to extend conversations and education with God. And then we're going to break down some of the bodies of knowledge that I mentioned before. So in this next episode specifically, we're going to talk about the knowledge and educational experience with God concerning Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and Luke chapter 11, verse 4. Those are those two verses that kind of have the different words for debts and sins. We're going to break that down a little bit more so you'll understand that because that definitely is going to be a part of your conversational experiences with God. And then I'm also going to share with you what matured forgiveness is all about and how the act of forgiving is actually a result of being spiritually matured or in other words, discipled by God within your mind and then lastly, I want to share with you some knowledge concerning the mental, physical, and spiritual healing, including what may have originated in your life when you were in your mother's womb. And I'm talking about trauma and generational stuff here. And anxiety and worry relief as part of the daily benefits packaged within your soul. Remember what the soul is. It's the classroom of God within you. And then also the repurposing of your former suffering for good. So the next episode is going to be full of content uh, related to, once again, this educational experiences with God. So I hope. So this next episode is going to be lit up with some content all related to this whole conversational experience with God that we find in this whole template of the Our Father prayer. So as always, I hope that what I share is a blessing to you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it helps you to think about your prayer life. If you're one of those who pray and just talk to God and you haven't really been taught how to actually hear from God in your prayer time, then I hope that the knowledge that I share, of course, will help you to experience that. And again, if you have any questions or comments, always feel free to reach out to me. So, as always, I want to end this episode with this thought, and that is always remember that the greatest learning environment that you and I have access to on this earth today is already within this earthen vessel that we call the mind. And with that learning environment comes the greatest spiritual teacher that you could ever experience that would always out and perform or outdo any human form of teacher. And that is the Spirit of God within you, which Jesus referred to as Father. 
So until the next episode, stay blessed.